Hey everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast. My name is Bianca, your co-host. I'm here with Nick, my other co-host, and we are welcoming Brad from Jin, Farrell and Jin. Uh, we are very excited to have you on today. Could you give us a quick intro to who you are and a little bit about your background? Sure. Hey, Nick and Bianca, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Brad Plummer. I am the owner and distiller at Coastal Spirits Distilling in San Carlos, California. I uh, produce the Farallon line of gins. We have, um, uh, we have a vodka Farallon and then three different gin expressions. I also make a bunch of different things for other clients. So I have a, um, probably 15 other products I make. They're all botanical based spirits. Um, my company, we started, I guess, about seven years ago. We just, actually, we're coming up on our seventh anniversary. I guess it would be uh, Valentine's Day was the last day at my previous job. So I, I count that as my start date uh, for the company. Uh, my background is pretty eclectic. I, uh, my previous job, I was a science writer. I did graduate school many years ago in uh, journalism and got a job out, in Cal out here in California working for a, a physics lab, actually. Um, worked at Stanford at one of the national laboratories, the SLAC National Laboratory um, in Menlo Park. And uh, I wrote about light source science, we won't go into detail there, but uh, I spent about eight years writing and photographing machines. So writing about science and photographing the machines that scientists use to make, make their discoveries. So it's a bit of a tangent, I would admit, getting from science writing for physics um, into making gin. I had, um, I had always been interested in how spirits were made, even going way back before I was legal to drink before I'd even started drinking. It just seemed like such an interesting thing, how a still would work. And um, let's say around 2011, I started getting interested in trying to make one myself. And I made a very small one just to kind of play with. I had been brewing beer and so took some of the beer to try to make whiskey. Um, made some whiskey, it was terrible <laughs> whiskey. My first several batches, of course. And then I decided I wanted to try to make something, you know, one of everything. So I mean, brandy I and mean, different kinds of brandy, different kinds of whiskey. I tried making single malt or scotch and it was absolutely terrible. Um, but then I started playing around with gin and gin had always been my go-to spirit. It's one of my favorite things to drink all through graduate school. And um, quickly learned that gin um, was actually pretty tricky. I figured it would be one of the easier ones because it didn't involve fermentation. It wasn't reliant on the chemistry of yeast. You know, you just put some neutral spirit in, in a kettle and then you add your botanicals and your botanicals do all the work. But it turns out um, it's not quite that simple. And the different techniques you use, if it's like um, whether you're boiling the botanicals or whether you're using vapor extra extraction, having the alcohol vapor flow directly over the botanicals. Um, there are a number of ways that you can get flavors out of botanicals. And there are a number of ways you can use different ratios of botanicals, different botanicals. I mean, think about it, there's so many different plants in the world, that's basically your flavor palette. So turned out gin was very tricky and I took that as a challenge. So I started playing around with making gins and in the meantime, realized I was getting pretty tired of my job, um, was ready to move on to the next thing. My wife and I had long wanted to you know, start a business of our own. So in the mean, as I was tinkering with gin, we started looking into opportunities in the craft spirits business. 
And uh, out here in California, it was pretty wide open. There were distilleries opening up all over the country, but California was still a little behind the curve a, for a lot of reasons, but uh, mainly I would say, and this again was about eight years ago, um, the, the regulatory environment was pretty restrictive. It was very difficult to get into the spirits industry, to get into distilling in California. So I took that as an opportunity. We you know, did the math and took the leap. And so we started Coastal Spirits back then. And my first product that we launched was, was vodka. That was the easiest one to start with. I par actually partnered with a local water district on the coast and used um, raw water right out of a, an aquifer on the uh, on the coast there on Highway 1, uh, Montero, uh, Montero, California. And so at that aquifer, when you're up on the mountain, you look out on a clear day, you can see the Farallon Islands. So that's how I ended up naming my product line, Gin Farallon, Vodka Farallon. So it's an island chain off the coast of California, about 30 miles out from San Francisco, but a very rugged place. It's actually forbidden to visit. It's a, it's a biological preserve, a marine preserve, um, but you can't see it unless the weather is very clear. And then it's just this very imposing, mysterious looking stack of rocks and mountains in the distance. And so the name Farallon was born, at least as far as my product line goes. So that's, that's it in a nutshell, I'd say. Great. So one thing that you mentioned that I'm interested to hear is that you said gin is pretty complicated to make. So what did you find was the most challenging aspect of making it? Is it finding a balance between the different botanicals or just the actual process of figuring out what, you know, to put in it, what ingredients to find and sourcing them? Yeah, well, sourcing is, can be tricky, but finding the, actually the first tricky part was finding the botanicals I didn't want to work with. And, um, it turns out that there are really only two main ingredients that I've ruled out, um, lemon and cinnamon. I just couldn't make them work in any way. And I know others uh, do so to great effect. But uh, for me, that was that was really where I found it to be the most difficult was working with certain botanicals. It just seemed to overpower everything. So you use the word balance, and that's actually kind of a watchword in my, in my industry. Balance is everything. You know, you have to get it right. You don't want one flavor really dominating everything. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe that's the expression you're going for. But in general, I would say having a balanced spirit is really the goal. So finding that balance, finding the right ratios. You know, it, it took many years for me to really learn just through experience how to work with certain botanicals, how to find ratios in which they work together most favorably. But yeah, finding that balance, finding those ratios, finding the... the, the overall flavor profile that you want and how to achieve it, which ingredients to use. Um, you know, I was working with a client recently and she wanted to make an expression that used a certain flower. She said, you know, I want this gin to taste like this flower. Well, it turns out that flower may smell really nice, but it doesn't actually taste very good. And you can't get that smell into a flavor. So you have to approximate those flavors using other ingredients. And so we found a kind of a combination of ingredients that pretty much hit it right on the head. So I can uh, drink her floral gin, which doesn't actually use much uh, floral botanical matter. And you have so many incredible looking cocktails on your website and across social media, which is where oh, we thanks. stumbled upon you. So 
I personally love, I love gin. It's something that I, it's one of the only spirits that I've ever really enjoyed um, on my own. I've started to kind of warm up to other things, but I just think gin has such a great flavor and it's so unique and, and it's like in its different flavor notes. Um, so I, I tried it for the first time as just a true gin and tonic and I, I loved it. Um, I know Nick is very new to gin. So I am curious to hear about Nick's Nick's first impressions, um, just being so new to the gin space. Yeah, so <laughs> Nick, I'd love to. Have, did you try the uh, the original blend, the gin feral one? I have not tried any yet. I just poured them, and I'm about to get into them. So before I do and go into tasting it, I'll give, I guess, my background in gin. I bought my first bottle of gin a few months ago. Like I got myself a bottle of Hendrix, and then we've had a couple other uh, gins on the podcast from other distillers, mainly whiskey distillers and things that uh, kind of make it on the side to, you know, add something else to their profile. Sure. But uh, I really don't have much experience with it. I've tried it straight. I've tried it with uh, some, you know, classic martinis, just vermouth and gin basically, and not really right. much else, but it's definitely, I would say more of a friendly spirit from what I found compared to a whiskey to at least more new people into spirits where it's not as harsh. Um, and whether you, you know, like the flavor profile or not, I definitely think it's more mellow and it is very flavorful and adds a lot in its own right to, you know, any cocktail or anything you make with it. So it's interesting to hear you say, frame it that way. I think perhaps this is a generational thing, but I, most people I encounter say it's, it's spirits, tastings, uh, festivals and such. Um, they have negative associations with gin, whether I guess they drink too much in college or it's something their grandmother drank all the time, or they think it tastes like Christmas trees. I, this is the battle I, I wage, is to dis, you know, dispel these myths about gin and its place in sort of the, you know, the back bar. Yeah, whenever someone tells me they can't get over the pine flavor, because again, I'm always right? eating gin cocktails. I'm like, have you ever really made it into a cocktail and, and tried to <laughs> Yeah, have you ever decipher? tried something not in a plastic bottle? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the same, but... We put Bianca through the whiskey <laughs> ringer last week or a couple weeks I, ago. Yeah, you know what? I was just listening to that the other day. Yeah. <laughs> and she had, I guess, sort of the same experience where she hadn't really tasted, you know, a variety. And she kind of just pigeonholed it as, oh, I tried this one this time and I didn't like it. So she kind of never really gave it a fair shot. But maybe it was because after a few drinks, she started to warm up to it. But eventually, you know, she was able to start figuring out, oh, I, there's something behind this. I get it. Well, hey, I thought you were a very careful guide there in that uh, episode, Nick. You did a good job. Uh, I tried, I tried. Through the different, <laughs> the different types of whiskey. And I don't have any formal training or anything. It's just, I guess, from my experience, and I'm, obviously, I'm young, I'm 23, so I don't have a whole breadth of it either. It's just over the course of what I've tried, this is what I've found and uh, from the people that we've talked to. But to get into this gin of it, the original, so this is the New World style uh the farallon is the i would consider it the original like the traditional gin um out of your three expressions um it's out of all the gins that i've tried you know albeit it's a few but it's my favorite gin so far it is delicious and like i said earlier when i was talking about gin being a friendly or mellow spirit um it isn't it doesn't have any offensive flavors it doesn't have i don't get any sort of a like heat or burn from it that you would get out of you know if you were to drink you know a harsh vodka or whiskey or something straight like that strong yeah, yeah. feeling none of that and i don't have this mixed with anything i'm just drinking it straight it's perfect it's a great flavor um i'd be interested it's, in it's not offensive 
<laughs> no, I appreciate that. I'm glad you like it. It was a, that was my first gin that, we, well, it's not the first gin I made. It's the first gin that we released. And that, um, that was back in 2015. So that one's been out for about five years. And, you know, I'll admit I've been tweaking it all along the way. I told, um, told my wife until we're consistently winning double golds, I'm going to be tinkering with this recipe. But um, no, I'm glad to hear you like it. It was, yeah. uh, it's a big pain in the butt to make. But, uh, <laughs> and so what I find flavor wise, it's just, it tastes really fresh. Um, and what I would say, I wouldn't consider it, you know, like floral, floral as much is almost more of an herbal is what mm -hmm. I'm pulling from sure. it. Um, where it is, you know, it's not really sweet or flowery, but it's, you know, it's fresh. It tastes good. It is like, you know, what I would expect pine to taste like without it being, you know, sappy or, you know, mm. overly strong or anything. So yeah, those terpenes, I, if you want to get chemical about it, uh, the, the pine flavors people associate with Christmas trees or whatnot, those are the alpha beta terpenes. Um, so yeah, um, you know, this brings to mind something you said actually in your previous podcast when you talked about whiskeys, Nick, you were saying, you know, and you're, you're, you're looking to drink these whiskeys to enjoy them, not necessarily to take some flavor journey down a checklist of, you know, tasting star fruit and earth and, you know, the different grains. And uh, that resonated with me. That's something I think about when I'm, I'm making my, my spirits, you know, back to the word balance. I don't necessarily want it to taste like one thing. I want to create a new flavor out of the combination of different ingredients. So you bring up, uh, you mentioned fresh, and I think that might be, Partly due to the cucumber, we use fresh cucumbers, and um, that was another ingredient that took uh, some real practice to learn how to extract to make the flavor that you get in the gin actually taste and smell like cucumbers. <laughs> because it turns out, you chop up a bunch of cucumbers and then you put them in a pot of hot alcohol, they don't end up tasting anything like cucumbers. Just like uh, you know, stewed cucumbers is all you get. So we had to find a technique for getting those. Uh, fresh notes out of the cucumber without using heat. And speaking of awards, you did uh, just, I believe it was 2020, you had a gold medal for your holy wooden cask. Is that- Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. exciting. That is exciting. And so we've, we've won gold before for other spirits. Um, this is, that was an exciting one because, you know, this is right in my backyard, the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. It's sort of like the, uh, the Academy of Awards of, uh, of, of Spirits. And so to get an honor of that sort from, from there, just my first year, this was right after we launched. I mean, literally three days after I picked my, my distributor picked up the first order, I got the notice that we won the awards. So I was very happy about that. Yeah, it's always exciting to see that recognition. I think, you know, just from tasting them and having tried so many gins, just again, from other places, I think when you specialize in it, it, it really shows. And I think that the flavors that you get from all the three that we have here, uh, they're all so different. They are so different, but at the same time, they all have that really nice kind of like smooth, easy to drink, yeah. um, you know, personality. Well, one, thing I, one thing I will say, and this is just, you know, for context, times now about smooth and heat. Um, when you pick up a spirit and it tastes hot, I mean, that's generally because the alcohol has not been treated right. Um, any spirit can be smooth if it's distilled properly. So uh, there's no need for even vodka to taste, you know, burning on your tongue. 
So um, we, we, and I bring this up to say, we, we treat our alcohol in a certain way. I, I refine the alcohol before I even start making gin. So I make sure that we have that smoothness sort of built in. And one of the other flavors that you have that we have um, been tasting over here and playing around with is the black fruit. So this is really unique in the sense that it's distilled with plums. Can you give us a little bit more insight as to how that does affect the flavor of it? Or is it really yes. just kind of like a hint? How does it differ from your others that you have? Oh, there's not any hints, I would hope. This was, uh, so plums, this, this was the first thing I ever distilled and in some ways the catalyst for me getting into distilling I was working again back uh, years ago at Stanford and one of my team members came to work one morning and said hey my dad has a plum tray I've got a giant box of plums in my car and they're all about to go off who wants them I thought hey I'll take those I've been thinking about fermenting stuff and so uh, maybe I'll distill it maybe I'll make some plum brandy so I got these plums and um, went to my local brew shop and told them what I wanted to do. And they said, well, hey, before you do anything, put the plums in the freezer and uh, here's a book you should read. And so I read this book and this sort of set me on my journey. I ended up um, you know, building a still, like I said, distilled the plums, fermented them. And uh, you know, it was, it was terrible once again, but that's, uh, that was my first attempt at distilling was with plums. But the thing about plums, still plums, uh, there's a spirit in the, uh, the term that you, Eastern European tradition, it's called Slivovitz. It's a um, Slavic uh, plum brandy, essentially. And, and one thing that I love about this plum brandy is that it doesn't taste really anything like plums. Like it, you get a character, you get an essence out of the plums that doesn't seem like it's actually there when you're actually just eating the fresh fruit. And I love plums, they're one of the sweetest fruits. But when you distill them, it's, there's this dry, uh, almost mysterious flavor that's unlike anything. And um, I wanted to, <clears throat> years ago when I was screwing up that batch of plums, um, I wanted to find a way to get that into a gin ever since. So over the last several years, I'd been playing around with plums, different varieties of plums. Luckily, you know, living in California, agriculture is huge. I have access to orchards up and down the Central Valley. And so I was able to play with different varieties and uh, found a variety of black plum that um, I can ferment and distill. So to make this gin, however, so making gin and making brandy are two very different processes. So what I do is I start off by making the plum brandy on its own. And then I combine that with, um, you know, a distilled uh, vapor extracted gin that's specifically blended to complement this uh, plum brandy. And so in my, my goal was to balance the plum brandy in such a way with the botanicals so that you get a gin, it's a gin, you know, there's the juniper, there's the floral and uh, herbaceous notes you're expecting, but then it's sort of underpinned with this interesting plum brandy flavor that, that's uh, evocative of the Slivovitz. And, um, you know, Slivovitz is a weird word. I don't really put it anywhere on my website, but uh, it's not something I think most people are familiar with as far as the term, but, um, and that was my goal, was to take this incredibly unique flavor of, of distilled plums and marry it with a true botanical gin. And also, you look at my gins, you've got the three, the, the black fruit, the original, and the Hollywood. The, the intention there was to create a spectrum. You know, I wanted a sort of a fruit, more accessible, sweeter gin. 
on the more on the say on the far left where you've got this would uh, be entry level, and then you've got the, the more contemporary style, new world style in the middle, and then you've got the Hollywood, which is our more bold expression on the far right. So that's my spectrum of gen expressions. And the uh, Hollywood is the one that I guess we'll get into next. And this is the one, like I yes. said earlier, that I was really excited about here. And, you know, as a whiskey guy that you have one that is, uh, it's almost like a whiskey style gin, I guess. It's darker, it's gold. I, it's the right. first gold gin I've ever seen. Um, and I'm assuming that's a lot of, so pulled from the barrel, obviously. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the, uh, I guess, the barrel process in this and how you make the Hollywood and cask? Sure. So I you know one of the um, one of my other favorite things to do in San Francisco um, is to just go like to Chinatown or go into Pete you know, Asbury. There's a, there's a apothecary there. And occasionally, I'll just show up and say, "I want you know I want to find a flavor or an aroma that I've never tried before." So one of these afternoons years ago, someone turned me on to Palo Santo, and I know probably many of the listeners that have you know are familiar with Palo Santo. It's widely used as an aromatic and with candles you know, home decor, but um, it was something I was unfamiliar with. And I immediately thought, wow, this would be amazing. I mean, gin, if you just smell it, it's so you know, pungent and it's got a sort of a minty cinnamon kind of quality to it. But um, you bring that back. So there's this, also this concept of the barrel gin, or the barrel age gins. And that's been kind of a fad for maybe eight or 10 years now. And a lot of distilleries make barrel gins. And they basically just take their their regular gin and they put it in a barrel and then they you know let it sit for a few weeks or months and then off we go and i can't say that i've ever actually had a barrel gin that i was super impressed with it wasn't it wasn't a go-to flavor that i thought man i need more of that i mean there may be one or two that i thought no it's well done but as a category barrel gins just weren't something i found compelling but having this desire to work with palo santo and finding out that Working with it just by itself, it's impossible really to find any balance because it's so pungent and one-sided. So I would I would combine the Palo Santo in various ratios um, with the botanicals, the, the distilled botanicals, and I just couldn't get anywhere with it. And what, it seemed like it was just either too dry or uh, just too pungent, or it just wasn't there. So I needed something to balance that with, and I thought, well, you know, we could do a barrel expression, maybe maybe the barrel could smooth that out somehow. And it turns out um, that's exactly how we ended up going. We, we used new American oak barrels with a heavy char and we aged the spirit for two months in this new barrel. And it extracts all of that color that you see uh, very quickly as a matter of fact, it was just within minutes actually, if you take it right back out, the color is there, but then it takes a little more time to kind of get those sweeter notes. You know, you think back to, bourbon, right? Uh, bourbon in the new oak, uh, the new American oak barrels, toasted or charred. They have this sort of vanilla quality to them in the back. It's, uh, there's a sweetness to the wood, the oakiness. And so that sweetness, that oakiness, it turns out really balanced against the Palo Santo. And um, after a couple of iterations, we found like we've just perfectly dialed it in to where you've got that woody, uh, almost bourbon quality <clears throat> on the palate, but then you also the aromatic side of it and then the finish, you know, it's very, it's almost, almost a bitterness to it, but um, very aromatic. And uh, to that end, you can play with 
all kinds of different cocktails. I, and that's why I say it's the perfect gin for whiskey lovers. You can use it in any whiskey cocktail. I did a festival recently where we made Manhattans with it. And uh, it was a you know, star of the show. We sold out of everything we took to that show. So it does very well in whiskey cocktails. And I just took my first sip and I'm sure you can see, but I just lit up when I tasted that and it made me smile right away. That you can really, really taste that barrel coming through that kind of mm -hmm. sweet flavor um they come through but it's also balanced off with that instead of just being a it's not what i would expect a whiskey to taste like it tastes like a gin that's been aged in a barrel which is exactly what oh it sure is. hey I this is not a <laughs> right this is not made from fermented grains in the same way that a whiskey exactly. it does not have the same depth or nuance or even flavor profile but it does have kind of hints of it um so I, I say it can play in the same end of the pool, but it's it's definitely not a whiskey. Right, right. But that's honest. That's perfect because I there's a lot of things and there's all sorts of I guess barrel aged beers and barrel aged wines and all different things. Yeah. And I feel like you typically when it's advertised like that, even coffees and stuff, I tend to not like them as much because I feel like they you know overplay that they really try to make oh this is gonna be coffee but it's gonna taste like whiskey it's gonna taste like bourbon. <laughs> Um, but I'm very pleased to this, you just get that same sort of, I would say more like a deepness or richness that that barrel adds to it on top of the taste of the actual gin. Now, oh, that's great. Yeah. does this start in the same way? I, obviously with the Palisanto, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but does it start with the same sort of gin making process as the new world and the black fruit? Well, the black fruit uh, is blended with that plum brandy. So probably different yeah, than that one. Um, well, it, it does, yes. We, we use, a, uh, I would say, a complement of botanicals that would equate, if you didn't use the barrel, it would be just a very potent London dry style gin. It'd be very juniper forward, um, not sweet at all, very dry, um, almost spicy gin. Um, but the, you know, the barrel and the Palo Santo, and, and there's some other steps in there that I won't go into. But, uh, Yes, we do make it in just the same way as you would a standard gin for all intents and purposes. And I think there's so much opportunity in the gin space. And I love that your flavors are so unique because as somebody who does thoroughly enjoy gin and always looks for kind of new things, I don't always see that. And it's one of those spirits that I feel has been very like old school for a long time. And I don't necessarily think it's one of the first that you know, got as creative as maybe some other spirits have. And I love that you're doing that because these flavors are so different. Um, and so for me, it's, it's a, it's a big deal when I find something like that, that's so unique and it's so flavorful and, and it's just stands out on its own. You could, you know, drink it on the rocks or you could drink it in a, in a cocktail and it really hits the spot for somebody who is looking for those flavor profiles. So definitely, uh, I love that you're doing that with your spirits. Well, thank you. And, you know, hey, I'm not alone. There, there is so much going on in the gin space these days. Like you said, it's, uh, it's, it's taken a few years to catch up. I think for the last five to seven years, whiskey, craft whiskey, especially, and still to some degree, really the biggest growth category. Um, everybody's making a whiskey. And I think Nick mentioned it earlier, you know, most distilleries that start off and they want to make their whiskey while they're waiting for their barrels to do something, then they're going to turn to the, the white spirits to uh, keep the lights on, so to speak. And I think gin gets a short shrift because it's kind of an afterthought. It's like, yeah, you know what, we'll make some of this for a while just so we can you know, have something. And then we're gonna go on to our whiskey. But 
you know, my intention was I wanted to, I wanted to run a gin shop. Um, I don't make whiskey. I don't have ambitions to make whiskey, not anytime soon. So we work only with botanicals and that gives us a lot more latitude, I would say, or a lot of, you know, just a lot more time <laughs> to experiment with uh, different flavors. And there are, there are others that are doing the same thing. You see a lot of creativity in the, in the gin world and it's um it's starting to grow i think maybe two years ago gin, gin actually surpassed whiskey for the first time in terms of you know, on the craft level um like overall sales so there's a lot of interest in gin now there wasn't you know to your point years ago that was not true it did get overlooked and i think uh, people are coming around and uh, those negative associations of gin that people have it's uh, it's not that way anymore. So you you could go into really just any city in the United States now, any well, <laughs> we're at normal times, uh, any cocktail bar that were open, and um, they'll have a, a menu with a number of gin expressions or a number of gin cocktails that are outstanding. So it's it's more and more available. More and more people are drinking it, and the more and more producers are doing interesting stuff with it. It's no longer just the afterthought that distillers were making to. Uh, wait for their whiskeys. And uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about too is cocktails. As Bianca kind of mentioned earlier, you have a lot of them on your website. Um, but with these different flavor expressions that you have, do you find that you tend to gravitate towards unique cocktails or different cocktails that you make specifically for those? Or do you use those in more of the classic cocktails like a you know traditional martini with vermouth and maybe some olives? Well, hey, as a gin producer, you really can't go anywhere with your products if they don't work in one of three of the, you know, the holy trinity of gin cocktails, which would be the, you know, the gin and tonic, the gin martini, and the Negroni. So you've got you've to have something that will work in any of those. And, and, you know, really all three of mine will work in any of those. The Hollywood especially works in a Negroni, but they all three will. Um, so the, the, the real classic gin cocktails, these will absolutely work very well. We didn't put any of those on our website because they are so you know, classic and the recipes are easy to find. I've had the, the good fortune this last several months to partner with um, a woman by the name of Homo Kigiani and she's an incredibly talented bartender and cocktail stylist and she's responsible for the bulk of the recipes on my site and, uh, and the photography. She, just, she does such an amazing job. And um, you'll see a lot of her work too on my Instagram feed. But yeah, Homa is really the, the talent behind those cocktail expressions on my website. And uh, they are, you know, there's some unique, uh, I'd say, ingredients involved there. And not everyone will have them. I think that one of the more recent ones was a, a rose syrup from Afghanistan, I believe, at least it's a Middle Eastern uh, flavor called uh, Ruafsa. And um, she shared some of it with me. There's a, you can find it on my website, jenfarallon.com. You go to recipes and there's the uh, the winter florette, I believe, is the name of the cocktail. And it talks about how to make uh, ruafsa for this particular cocktail. Um, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's delicious. But, you know, to, back to your question, we, we put these recipes on our, our website just because these are unique ways to bring out the flavors in these gins um, besides the, the more traditional cocktails, which you can find. And really, you can find those recipes easily. And for me, one of my favorite uh, 
gin cocktails is the French 75. I just love having that kind of earlier uh, brunch cocktail. You know, everyone thinks of a mimosa, but I will always order the French 75 over a mimosa. I just think it has so much more flavor. And we actually had a cocktail artist on, um, Sarah from the Woozy Ginger. She made us a cranberry French 75. And I saw on your website, you had this honey 75. Honey 75, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, I I mentioned to Homa, I was like, you gotta do it some kind of version of a French 75. And so that's what, uh, that's what we came up with. So I'm excited to try that. It looks, it looks very good. I will always oh, it's try it. Yeah. Yeah. Looks awesome. And another uh, question that I had pertaining to cocktails is I know the two main things that people tend to add are going to be the olives and even cocktail onions. But mm-hmm. I was thinking the other day when I was actually, I didn't have any, any of those, I no olives, no onions. Um, or anything that I could add. So I was drinking it straight and I thought, you know, it would be great in this, some pickled jalapenos. Is that something you've tried? Is that something that's commonly done in cocktails? Uh, And if not, what are some of your other favorite additives to cocktails to add in after, you know, the drink's Mm. been mixed? So no, I have personally not tried pickled jalapeno. I think um, we've garnished with jalapeno in the past. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, super spiced in cocktails. I think it can kind of get in the way sometimes, um, but I know people love it and uh, you could absolutely use pickled cocktail. I mean, hey, or jalapenos, so why not? You know, make a make a dirty martini with pickled jalapenos. I bet it would be amazing. That's what I'm doing um, tonight. Do it. I'd love to hear how that <laughs> works out. Spices. Send me a picture. Um, my go-to really, I, I love to make syrups. Um, and I do this at home all the time, you know, different, uh, you get a couple, you know, usually two or three ingredients of grated ginger, some orange peel and some goji berries or something, you know, boil them for an hour with uh, sugar and water. And you have a nice little cocktail, you know, you have a splash of that and really just gin and soda with a splash of syrup. And that's kind of, I mean, that's not that fancy, but that's generally how I would uh, drink a cocktail, just, un, you know, unembellished to a great degree, so you can really taste the cocktail. Um, there, there are two ways you can go there, right? I mean, you, you can make this cocktail that's just its own thing. And, uh, you know, my colleague Homa and many bartenders and, and uh, cocktail specialists are really good at that. That's not my specialty, but I do like to taste the, the, the spirit. And so my go-to, like I said, would be, you know, some sort of syrup and um, just a soda, keep it simple. So for you as someone who, you know, works in the industry, you're obviously very hands-on. You really get to try everything. When you're just at home relaxing and you have to pour a cocktail for yourself or you're just pouring something as is, what is your usual go-to? Do you have one? Uh, um, no, I don't have a go-to. We, ha- we have, uh, you know, what it, what it is we're, we're going to at the moment, which this last week, uh, my wife and I have been enjoying um, Oh, uh, whiskey sours made with um, Long Road bourbon. I don't know if you're familiar with the distillery Long Road. No. Um, they um, they do some really great work, and they've got a really delicious bourbon. There's also uh, Spirit Works, um, and there's also a California distillery. They do some amazing stuff. They're famous for their slow gin, and um, they have a uh, a cast strength. I believe it's a rye. I could be wrong. I'd have to look it back up. I'm, they're going to kill me. Um, but we've been using Spiritworks whiskey 
and uh, this long road bourbon sort of alternately in a whiskey sours this week. So it's not been gin, I hate to admit, but uh, it's not always gin, can't always be gin, but uh, we, that's what we've been enjoying this last week. Yeah, I find myself doing the same thing. I, you know, as a whiskey guy, I tend to gravitate towards that whenever I go to the liquor store and I want to pick up a new bottle, but I like to mix it up. And like I said, the other night I was drinking a gin martini as well. Sometimes it's vodka, sometimes it's tequila. I love tequila too. So, mm. you know, it doesn't always have to be, even though, you know, you're probably preferential towards gin because that's what you make, but it doesn't always have to be that, you know, it's not what you're always feeling. Sometimes you want to mix it up. The other night I went, uh, had a spicy margarita that I made with some of the oh, nice. ghost tequila we've had on before. Um, but yeah, you just change it up to whatever else you're feeling that night or feeling at the moment. And, you know, sometimes it's good to have something fresh. Well, there's so many product categories and spirits categories out there. I think I'd be doing myself a disservice to just stick with gin. I do love gin, but, um, you know, it, I will say, like, I, I love my gins and I've spent years making my gins and I talk about them and taste them with people all the time, but it's, you know, you, you want to get out there and taste other things. I, I, I don't, you'd be surprised at how seldom I actually have my own gins at home. I hate to admit, but I have people coming over all the time saying like, hey, let's try some of that gin. And it's like, man, I, you know, we are just now out. I, I got to bring some more home. Um, but we do tastings all the time at the shop. Of course, we've got no end of company there. We make cocktails when we have visitors. But um, no, I like, uh, I like all different product categories. You know, you mentioned scotch in your last podcast. I'm a big scotch fan myself. We have a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, the Strength and Scotch podcast. We have them coming on pretty soon to do a collaboration episode. I've been listening to them for years and uh, I'm a big fan. So really excited about that. We're going to drink some Ardbeg Ugidal with them, uh, which oh, is nice. one of their co-hosts favorites. So I just picked up a bottle and haven't tried it yet, but we're really excited Hardbeg. for that. Hardbag, yeah, one of my favorites. That's a big one. That's a big one. So for everybody who's listening who hasn't had a chance to try your gins yet, or your, your vodka for that matter, um, where can they find your spirits? And I know you are based in California, but I know you also ship. So do you ship outside of the state or are you still yes. very local? Well, we're carried um, California-wide as far as, you know, bars and, and restaurants and liquor stores. But we just, I'm happy to say, um, launched a purchase online feature on my website. So you can go to ginfarallon.com and you'll see a big purchase now or buy online button right at the top. And um, at least for now, my three gins are available online. And I think there's like 30 states that we can ship to. So really just about everywhere. Um, except for I think like Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, Michigan, there's a couple in there that the states just aren't letting us do that yet. So we're prohibited there, but uh, you know, those states are listed, but again, jenfarallon.com and there's a, a purchase online button at the top where you can go and check it out and, and we'll absolutely ship you a bottle or five. <laughs> at least three, then you get one of each. Yeah, other. Yep. You have to, yeah, you gotta, you gotta get the, the, the holy trinity there of our product line. That's right. So for everybody who's listening, can you also let them know where we can find you online and on social media? Sure. Um, JenFarallon.com is my website. And um, uh, Instagram is at JenFarallon. 
And then we also have Twitter and Facebook. You can find us, uh, you know, just do a Facebook search for Jen Farallon. It should be easy enough. But yeah, Instagram is where we kind of focus most of our efforts, uh, mostly for cocktails. It's, you know, such a visual medium, of course, but uh, you'll find us most active there. Great. And thank you for taking the time to come on today and uh, share your gins with us. I know I really enjoyed the ones that I got to try so far, and I'm excited to try the black fruit one as well. And I can't wait to try out that cocktail later and send you a picture of it. Oh, yeah, (laughs) please do. I'd love any feedback. I appreciate you guys so much, Nick. Thank you both. Cheers. Bianca. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.